beginning to fill back up, even in the midst of summer. I'm so excited to hear the reports about the things that happen with our youth at camp and, and our kids get back this afternoon. And so it's going to be exciting to hear what happened with them. It's just, you know what, I remember as, we were, as they were, Chris was talking about that earlier, I thought about many times when I was growing up, the, the encounters and the things that happened at camp. There is something about when you get away from your normal routine. It works for adults, it works for kids, it works for youth. But separating and spending that time that is devoted to God, God can do incredible things. You know, I, I saw, I don't remember the statistic off the top of my head, but the many, many, a vast majority of people that feel the call in the ministry were many times because they were at some type of camp or some kind of getaway that the Holy Spirit got a hold of their hearts and says, I have a call, I have a purpose for you. And so who knows? Who knows who the Holy Spirit got a hold of, that the, the, trajectory, the, the trajectory of their lives will have been massively transformed by the things that transpired this week. This morning we're going to be kind of... Uh, Finishing up a little bit of a series that I started. It didn't necessarily start out to be a series, but if you remember on July 4th, we talked about pledging allegiance to our Lord and our Master. How many know there's somebody that's supposed to be preeminent above everything in our lives? We've been talking about that. We've been talking about passages of Scripture. We've taken three passages of Scripture that you'll hear the last one today, but there is something about truly being submitted to Him. How many know that He wants it all? He doesn't just want part of you. He wants it all. And, and there's something about when we completely surrender. You know, have you ever met that person that, that honestly believed that telling everybody everything that they see wrong or in the church or in every circumstance, that they, they feel like that that is a spiritual gift? You ever met that person? I mean, they tell you everything that's wrong with everything. But yet they're not interested at all in stepping in. When the, when the Holy Spirit tries to call them, they're like, um, no. Right? They never considered the idea that maybe something that they see that is very visible to them that needs to be done is because the Holy Spirit is speaking to them to be the answer in that area or that circumstance. We've been talking about pledging our allegiance. We talked the first week about him asking him like David prayed in Psalms 51, Lord, search my heart. Lord, see if there's any wicked ways in me. I mean, you know, that takes a lot of guts to say, Lord, search my heart. And then last week we talked about praying how that he would break us, how that he would literally break our hearts because a broken and contrite heart, it says, O oh Lord, you will not despise. Today we're going to take it a little bit further. Have you ever had the Lord stretch you a little bit and you think, oh, I'm glad that's over with. I don't know if I can take it anymore. And he goes, well, there's a little bit more I want to do. Well, today is going to be that little bit more. Today we're going to be looking at what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 6, and he has this encounter with God, and we're going to be focusing primarily on verse 8 where it says this. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, here I am, here am I, send me. 
Wow. Isn't that scary? Think about it. Lord, here am I. Send me. We're not talking about asking, Lord, tell me what it is first. Lord, here am I. Send me. You know, first I want to point out that Isaiah was in the position to hear what God was saying. I mean, that's a big step. Putting yourself in position to hear what he's saying. You know, Jesus told us himself when he walked this earth, he said, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. See, that's one of the things we should be doing is putting ourselves in position to hear what the Spirit is saying. How many know, how many ever been in a situation or maybe you've been married to quite a while like I have and, and I can be in Walmart and Kim can cough or clear her throat a few hours over and it's like, well, I know where Kim is, Right? Shouldn't we have that kind of close relationship with the Holy Spirit that when he speaks, we instantly know that he is speaking? But how do you get there? You have to spend time in his presence. I know what Kim sounds like because I've spent time in her presence. I know what Glenn's laugh sounds like because I've spent time in his presence and it is so great to see him back in church here over the last few weeks. Somebody say something to make him laugh. I got to hear that laugh again in the church. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just wait till you hear it. You'll know. But once you know that voice, you can follow that voice. I'll never forget when we got the call to come and pastor this church. And I'm not talking from people. I'm talking the Holy Spirit confirmed us that this was where we were supposed to be. That was before we got here in this building, as at the other location in Fate. But I'll never forget, there were myself and one other pastor that was kind of in the running, and I got a phone call. I don't know why I'm telling this. It's not even in my notes, but this, maybe this will help somebody. I got a phone call that said, we have, thank you for participating. We have decided we're going to go with the other person. I was crushed. Because, let me tell you why. Because that voice I had followed all from the time I gave my life to Christ to that point was the voice that I was sure had told me, you're the person for the position. So you can imagine when you get contrary news, you're like, wow, am I, am I off? If, you know? And so I remember going and sitting down and... <clears throat> the associate pastor's office of the church we were on staff at at the time, and sitting down in front of him and looking at him and said, I, I, I guess I missed it. They, they said they were going with somebody else. I'll never forget the advice he looked at me. He goes, no, that doesn't mean you heard wrong. Just wait. You don't know what the Lord's doing. Just because they said no doesn't mean it's the final word. That was on a Friday that Monday I get a call and they said well we don't want to put you back on an, on an emotional roller coaster I was kind of like too late for that but <clears throat> but the other guy went back home 
<clears throat> prayed about it and called us back and said, I'm not supposed to be the guy. Talk about validation that the voice I was following was the voice of the living God. You see, we should never be a people that desires to live life without hearing that voice. We should never be a people that, that like many times our children have growing up, having that, we don't want to be the child with the selective hearing. You know what I'm talking about? They can hear the call to dinner time and every time something's for them, but, you, but somehow they go deaf when it's clean your room or do you know this or that. Many times as his children, we can be suffering from selective hearing. We should never be that person. In John chapter 20, <clears throat> verse 21 and 22, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. And he appeared to his disciples and he said this word. He said, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. One moment, please. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was sending them. And the same Jesus still sends people. And the same Jesus still fills people with his Holy Spirit. And he still speaks to us and he still calls us. But you know what? I mean, you know, it takes a lot of bravery to say, hear my Lord, send me. But yet, this should be the prayer that we all are willing to pray. Now, this prayer, I know, we pray that kind of prayer. It can send you in a lot of different directions. It can lead you to step into ministry that you never even would have thought of. It could reveal a calling in your life that you didn't expect that catches you by surprise. It may lead you to stay somewhere when you thought you were supposed to go somewhere else. It may lead you to move to, to break up a, with a relationship that's not a healthy relationship. It may cause you, you may be led to a different job or a different circumstance. You may even find that you're already where he desires for you to be, but he just wants to expand your role. It can lead to all kinds of things. But we of all people should be a people that are willing and available to risk it all. Because when you pray and you say, Lord, here am I, send me. I will do whatever. Guess what? It's exciting, but it's scary all at the same time. See, because one thing that is clear all, through all, all throughout Scripture is that God speaks in a variety of ways. It may be that still small voice. It could be a thunderous voice. It could literally be a messenger from God. It could be a burning bush. We see all kinds of examples all throughout Scripture. But the one thing that counts, it is the, still the same God that speaks in every one of those circumstances. And God will call those who know Him to do something for the kingdom. If we will listen. See, I'm a firm believer that if you're a born-again believer and child of the living God, there is a calling on your life. 
Now, it's not all the same. It's all different. But yet he does call. And he's speaking and he's willing. And it's our problem to respond properly. What do we see in that passage of Scripture? We see him speaking, you know, who will go for us? You know what I picture in that picture? I picture that, in that story of him looking around, the Holy Spirit looking around and saying, I have all these things that need to be accomplished for my kingdom, but who is even listening to respond? So this morning, I want to look at this. I'm going to take a few moments. I'm going to look at three possible responses to his call. Now, some of these are going to sound maybe a slightly humorous, but they're sadly too real. Many times when he calls, he's met with, Here am I. I'm not going. I ain't going to do it. See, God has a habit of finding us where we are and calling us into action at inconvenient times. By our hearts and our calendars. And they ask, has ever spoke something to you? And you're like, oh, wow, that's perfect. This is the most convenient time. No, usually, we think his timing is off. We think, well, Lord, that's great, but not today. You know, we want him to do something. And he knows exactly where we need to be. He knows exactly when. And I think he loves us enough. He knows exactly how stubborn we are that he will even, that even makes allotment in his timing for our stubbornness. Come on, I've ever been there. See, there's no hiding. So we all might as well say, here am I. But how do we respond when he speaks? See, too many times call, that call is answered with, here am I. And then when we hear, it's like, uh-uh, I'm not going. See, Scripture gives us a pretty good illustration of, of a time that that happened to somebody. And we find it, you're probably all pretty familiar with the story. And it's in Jonah chapter 1. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa to find a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish for the presence from the presence of the Lord. Isn't it cute that Jonah thought he could run from the presence of the Lord? I mean, I look at that, I'm like, well, that's cute. But yet many have tried to reject the call and run. Matter of fact... I don't even know why I'm saying this, but sometimes, and I'm not talking about anybody here, but sometimes some of the biggest troublemakers in the kingdom are the ones that have a call on their life but refused to go. I have seen board members, not here, 
But I've seen board members that have destroyed churches and caused church splits and come to find out they had a call in their life that they said no to. And so in their own way, they're trying to, to run the church because that is the calling on their life, but yet they're doing it in the wrong way because they wouldn't go when Jesus said to go. Many have tried to reject the, the deal. And, and many people have even tried to, to take the story of Jonah and say, well, that's just a fable or an allegory or, or something like that. It's just a made-up story to make a point. But I don't believe that's true. I, I happen to be one of those crazy people that believe that every word in this Bible is absolutely truth and the stories that are told really did happen. Matter of fact, Jesus himself gave some credence to this story when in both the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, Jesus refers to his time being in the tomb. He likens it to Jonah being in the belly of the great fish for three days. So to me, why would he refer to a story that was just a story? What the story, the interesting thing is, too, is everybody gets so caught up with the idea of the great fish, right? It's like, well, how is that even possible? And the reason I say great fish is because everybody calls it Jonah and the well, but nowhere in the Bible does it say it's a well. It says God prepared a great fish. So what it was, I don't know and I don't care. Matter of fact, you know what? We get so caught up in that, 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 that the, the fish, the well, whatever it is, was actually only mentioned three times in the whole book. The story is not about the fish. The story is about Jonah and the call in his life and his rejection or trying to run away from the call and his attitude towards it. See, it's God's will. And, you know, so what to do? Jonah gets the call and he says, Here am I, Lord. I'm not going. He, may have, he mistakenly thought the calling was optional. Obeying the will of God, here's, I want you to hear this. Obeying the will of God is as important to God's servant as it is to the people he will be ministering to. When you step into the calling, it's always, you know, I don't know that anybody, God has ever called anybody into something that is just comfortable and fits perfectly. There's always a stretching. There's always a growing. You're never big enough for it. But he will get you there. But guess what? You will experience things. You will grow into something that you never thought possible if you will respond to what he asks you to do. What does he do? Is, 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 it, it leads to the spiritual nourishment that you will get. There is a nourishment that comes from being the one that he uses to speak through or the hands and the feet he uses to touch a life that you will never get anywhere other way. You receive enlightenment that you never had before because as you go and you get the manna to take and to bring to somebody else, you will learn things in the process yourself. He'll enable you to do things you didn't even think possible. Sometimes in a situation, I will speak something. I'm like, whoa, that was pretty smart. It wasn't me. <laughs> Thought of this. Jonah had trouble swallowing God's will, so God's will swallowed Jonah. Charles Spurgeon says this. 
He says, God never allows his children to sin successfully. And Jonah is proof of that statement. See, we can run. We can say, I'm not going. But he has a way of bringing you back around to it anyway. And he will bring you back again and again and again until you finally get smart enough to say, I think he's trying to tell me something. See, it's never easy sitting on the side on this side of a story. I mean, all of us, it's easy for us to sit back and say, wow, what an idiot Jonah was. All right, but let's think about this. Jonah was called to go speak in the capital of the evil empire of his day and to stand up and say, repent, our judgment is coming. I don't know about you, I can kind of see a little bit why he was going, uh-uh, I ain't going. I mean, can you imagine your enemy, the people that you kind of despise, I mean, the, the actual enemy of your nation, and God says, I'm sending you to tell them to repent or else. He didn't want them to repent. So he says, I'm not going. But you know what? He ended up going. And if you listen, if you read the rest of the story, he is sitting there after he finally shows up through his fish taxi to get him where he needed to be. And he speaks, and they repent. And a nation's changed, and he's literally sitting on the hillside looking on the city. He's like, God, I knew this is like you to do this. He didn't like the fact. I mean, you know, most people, if they delivered a message and people responded, they'd be excited about it. He wasn't. He said, I'm not going. And we look at that and we say, what a dummy. But how many times do we say, I'm not going to weigh less pressure-filled situations than that. We say, I'm not going because it makes us a little uncomfortable. We say, I'm not going because of various reasons. You know, but the truth is, none of us are immune. Even if you've responded to the call, there will be times you can almost have a little bit of Jonah in you. <clears throat> As I was working on this week, this week I told Kim a story that I'd never really told her before. And I'm going to tell you this just because I, I, want, I want everybody to see that we all struggle with this. This is a few years back. We were, hadn't been living in Royce City very long. We had our house there in Royce City. I'd gone to Walmart. Just a normal day. Wanted to run in real quick, get some stuff, get out. Had a lot of things on my schedule. And as I was driving along, I drove by a guy that was coming out to his vehicle. And he was just, you could tell, he was really, you know, looked like he wasn't that much older than me, but was really just, you could tell he was struggling just to get his cart out to his vehicle and to load the stuff in. And I remember as I was driving by, saying, Lord, I want to see the day that we're walking up to people like that 
and we're praying for them and we're laying hands on them and you heal them right in the Walmart parking lot. Great thought, right? Finally find a parking spot, get out, and I'm walking, and he's putting his cart up, and we kind of make eye contact, and he looks at me. And, you know, now I do on occasion, if I'm listening to a song that really gets good in my spirit, it might get cranked up a little bit, okay? And so I'm pulling in. And as I get out of here, and so apparently it was a little loud when I drove by. And he goes, I haven't heard that song in a long time. And so we exchange pleasantries, and I blow right on past him. A little bit later, when I get myself on coming out, I was like, What a dummy. I had said, Lord, I want to see the day that you heal people in the parking lot of Walmart. And you set it up where I had an encounter with that guy. And I chickened out. I am still kicking myself to this day over that. So we all are capable of doing that. We need to recognize when those opportunities arise and step through the door that is open for us. You know, so what is your reason for not praying, send me? And will it really stand up before God? How could saying yes transform your life? Because not all the time is it, Lord, here I am, send me, I'm not going. Sometimes it's, Lord, here am I, send someone else. See, God may even catch us at a time when we really don't have a whole lot on the agenda. He may catch us at that perfect time, and yet we still somehow tend to come up with excuses, don't we? Think about it. As I thought about that, I thought thought about Moses. After everything that happened to him, and he he fled to Midian because, because he was... Brought up in Pharaoh's household, and we all—most of you know the story. There was one day that he caught, he saw some of his people being mistreated, and he got in a fight with the Egyptian guard, and the Egyptian guard ended up dying. And he thought he kept it all secret, but then somebody says something about it. He's like, "Oh, the jig is up," and he flees to Midian. And he thinks he's out there. He's far away. He's tending sheep. He's got a wife now. Everything is all going pretty good and and he will never have to go back to Egypt again and all of a sudden in Exodus chapter 3 verse 10 he has this encounter he sees a burning bush and his curiosity causes him to get a little closer and he realizes the place where he is standing is holy ground and God speaks to him and says come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt but Moses said to God who am I that I should go to Pharaoh that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt see Moses was out there one day and he just sees this burning bush he didn't exactly have a full schedule and his, but yet his being sent caught him by surprise. 
Now, we look at it, we can see, God, you had your hand on him his whole life. This was being set up from the very time he was born, that he was hidden in the basket in the Nile River, that you got him into Pharaoh's household, and he was raised in, as if he was Egyptian royalty and all these things. Lord, very clearly, you had your hand in all this. But yet, I'm telling you, whatever God has called you to, everything you've experienced in your life is setting you up to step into that. But just like Moses, when God calls, we begin to make our excuses and say, oh, they would be much better at that. So he was called to do something that there's no doubt he agreed it needed to have happened or he wouldn't have gotten the fight in the first place. But instead of him saying, God, I'll go, it was like, God, somebody else, Aaron would be great. But I love his, his list of excuses. What does he say? Moses says, who am I that I should go? God responds with, I'll be with you. Then he says, who should I say send me? Tell them I am sent you. But what if they don't believe me? Here's the signs. Throw your rod down. It'll turn into a snake. Pick it back up, turns back into a rod. Look, I'm going to make your hand leprous. I'm going to heal your hand. And when you go, I'll even use you to turn the Nile River into blood. But I'm not a good public speaker. This is one of my favorite responses of God all throughout Scripture. Who made your mouth? But we're no better. Right? God calls us. He says to go do something. And we begin to come up with a whole list of excuses why that won't work. And we begin to say, oh, Lord, they'd be so much better than that at that. God calls us to, to contribute something that we want to hold on to, to something to advance his scheme, his, uh, not scheme, but his, his vision for the church. And what do we do? Oh, Lord, they've got more extra money than I do. Or he wants us to spend time doing something. Well, they're a stay-at-home mom. Let them do it. The problem is he's calling you. He's calling you. We're all able of running off our list of excuses. For Moses, it was, I'm not a good speaker. Here's Sid and Aaron. Here, my God, send someone else. But the same answers he spoke to Moses still applies to us. He says, I'll be with you. Tell them I am sent you. Jesus himself said, these signs shall follow those that believe. It's time as the church, it's time as the people of God that we get a hold of that idea again and begin to realize that he promised that his signs will follow us. But we don't see miracles anymore. Maybe it's because many people who's trying to sin won't go. Or they won't stop and pray for that person in Walmart parking lot. Told you I'm still kicking myself over that one. See, he still made your mouth too. When the door opens, step through it. 
But here's the best one. You know, Jonah said, here I am, I'm not going. Moses said, here I am, somebody else. But what about those people that rise up, that they feel him speaking, they fear him calling, and they say, here am I, Lord, send me. Spiritual way of saying, put me in, coach. I got to get in this thing. See, there are those that's, that need, that, that see the need so clearly. There are those that hear the call from the heartbeat of God, and they respond with, here am I, send me. Notice what he didn't say. I mean, he said, here am I, send me, before he knew what the it was. We want to say, now, now where are you sending me again? He's the climate nice. What, what, how's the cost of living there? And what's the pay scale? Is there paid vacation? Is there air conditioning? You know, what are the benefits? Will my message trend well? See, I want to challenge you. I dare you. What would it take for you to pray, hear my Lord, send me. Lord, I'm available. You have permission to interrupt me anytime you desire to interrupt me. I will go where you tell me to go when you tell me to go. I will be obedient. If you want me to say something to somebody, I will say something to somebody. If you want me to be a prayer warrior over a circumstance, I will be a prayer warrior over a circumstance. If you want me to give something, Lord, it's yours. If you want me to use my time, my resources, my life, whatever you call me to do, here am I, Lord, send me. See, how do we get there? How do we get that place that we're willing to pray that prayer? I want us to take just a few moments, then I'm going to wrap this up. We read Isaiah 6, 8, where he says, Here, my Lord, send me. Let's look at what happens right before that, because I think there's three things here that can really help us get this. Number one, to get there where you're willing to say, Here, my Lord, send me, you have to have a general, a genuine, overwhelming encounter with the living God. God encounters are so, such incredible things. Read the first three verses. Isaiah starts out chapter 6 with, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Can you imagine what he saw? I mean, we have this description here, and we can't even wrap our minds around it. What Isaiah saw was in the presence of God, his, his holy presence. And, and you know what? If, if he was completely overwhelmed. We read how overwhelmed he was. You know, if we experience him in his glory, how can we say, I'm not available? Many times we say no because we don't really comprehend how magnificent he is. 
But you get close enough to experience His glory, it's easy to believe Him when He says, I will be with you. You hear statistics all the time. The high percentages of people that start out in the ministry, eventually they quit and walk away. You know, I, I've been even been asked, have you ever been tempted? And the true answer is no, I've never really been tempted to call it quits. There's been a few times I didn't think I was going to survive it. But I've never been tempted to call it quits. See, ministry is an incredible thing. Yes, there's a whole lot of, whoa, God, help me. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what I'm going to do. There's a lot of those moments. But I'm telling you, they're overshadowed by the, whoa, God, what did you just do moments? It's a mixture. But I'm telling you, those, those good whoa moments are so worth it. I mean, I can rattle off just a few in my life. People that, I mean, because it's not us. I know people have this idea that there's faith healers out there and somehow they're walking. It's not our, it's not anybody's power. It's his power. And so I always step back and say, whoa, whenever somehow I pray for somebody and God does something miraculous. Two different times. Couples have come to me that the doctor said, there is no way you will ever have a child. Both of them have two. There's a, a lady that we know that, that was literally was about, she'd gone to camp. There's actually a camp story that we have. And she had taken the time to go to camp, even though she was on a liquid diet because she was about to have jaw surgery. They were, literally was going to peel her face back and reconstruct a jaw. She was there to minister to kids. We all gathered around her and prayed for her. And she was eating a water burger with us that night. Went back for x-rays. And even the doctor says, I'm going to put these side-by-side x-rays on the wall. And I'm going to put with a caption above it that says, God still heals. you don't say yes you never get to experience those moments I've noticed at times that when I feel overwhelmed if I'll just get back into his presence and encounter him again I get the renewed energy to go about and keep going James says it this way draw near to God and he will draw near to you but the second thing we need is this is we need a genuine awareness of our sinfulness If we're going to say yes to him, we need to understand exactly how much we were saved from. I love what happens in verse 4 and 5. It says, The posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We get a glimpse of who he really is, we realize how sinful we truly are. Can you imagine how unworthy he felt to be seeing what he was seeing? There's something about when we experience his glory, we realize just how far short we fall. See, it's easy for us to think we're pretty good, right? Because what do we do? We look for people that are worse than us. See, I'm not so bad. 
But when we get a holy dose of reality from his presence, we realize how much we were saved from. Then how can we say anything else but, Lord, here am I. I'm not worthy, but send me. You've done so much for me. How can I say no? But here's the best part. For us to step out and say, Lord, send me, we have to have a genuine understanding of God's grace. Because if we leave it as, I'm just unworthy, then we don't think we can step out. But if we understand how incredible his grace is, if we understand how completely forgiven we are, then how can we not share what was done for us? Verse 6 and 7, Then one of the servants flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs of the altar, and he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Isn't his grace amazing? With one touch of the goodness of God, it was gone. With one touch of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, your sin and my sin is gone. I mean, think of it. The very worst thing we can imagine, as I said a couple weeks ago, that all of a sudden we realize it's as if it never happened. Our slate is clean. Our lying lips are forgiven. Anything that we've done, our lustful attitudes, our self-centered thoughts, our outward bursts of anger, anything that we've done is forgiven. In that same way the coal touched the lips of Isaiah, removed his guilt, the blood of Jesus cleansed ours. I want you to notice something. It was at this point that he heard the call, who shall we send who will go for us? That's the place we all need to get. We need to be willing to say, Lords, so we get some music. So we say, Lord, search me. Know my heart. See if there's any wicked ways in me. Lord, break me. Give me a broken and contrite heart before you. And then we say, Lord, here am I. Send me. See, I think that many people are afraid to to answer the call when God calls. Because we think he's going to make us drop everything, go off to Africa, and we will never see a real toilet or air conditioning again. That can't happen. I've seen that happen. We've got a dear friend of ours that is right now in Vietnam doing things that you just... I was actually on a mission trip when she really felt that call and watched her in her life. The rest of us were ready to get back home after two weeks in Africa. She was the one that was like, what do I need to do to come back? She served for years in Africa and now is in Vietnam. 
But can I tell you, you see such joy on her face in being used to reach the downtrodden. That's where we find joy when we do it. So yes, that could be the call. Most likely, he's going to call you to step up where you are. So we should get to the place where, Lord, the answer is yes. Now tell me where and when. Are we ever going to get we cease to put conditions on what he calls us to do and be? Or just say, Lord, here am I. Send me. I really prayed this week on how to bring this to a close. Thank God for Amazon. I guess it's okay to say that because I had this what what I was given, I was allowed to next day something. <laughs> Here's what I really felt like the Lord was saying. Last 3 weeks we walked through these things. And yes, I'm trying to push, I'm trying to nudge through the Holy Spirit to get us as people to make a deeper commitment to quit just, just saying, I, I, I thank God that I'm saved, I'm, I'm a good person, but to finally say, Lord, I am all in. Lord, search me. Lord, break me. Lord, so that I will stand there and say, Lord, here am I, send me. Whatever you've got for me, the answer is Yes. That's a dangerous, hard thing to do. It's not dangerous for us. Well, I mean, I guess it is if we say no. But he's calling us to be deeper. He's calling us to finally surrender it all. So I was like, Lord, how do I convey that? It reminds me of something I've done on occasion for years. Let me know that James tells us, is there any sick among you to call upon the elders of the church and not with oil, the prayer of faith will save the sick. We see all throughout Scripture, wherever God called somebody into the priesthood or to kingship or some kind of service, that oil represented the Holy Spirit and they were anointed. Here's what I feel like the Lord showed me have an anointing service. Now what I'm about to ask is going to take guts. And I wrestled with this. And I finally said, Lord, I just have to do what you say and if just two or three respond, that's on them. I'm just the messenger. So this morning I've got little vials on each altar of anointing oil I literally sat down yesterday and prayed over the oil and as I put it with droppers into these little jars together as we got here early to pray we gathered around and we placed several of us placed hands on the oil again and prayed over it now does the oil do the work? no but it's representative Many times, 
I will take my own prayer time. I'll take the anointing oil that I carry in my pocket and I'll re-anoint myself. So the call this morning is if you're willing to say, Lord, here am I. Send me to come and to grab a little jar of anointing oil and just fill in across the front. In a few moments, I'm going to lead you in anointing yourself and praying over areas the way I've done for, for years. It's an act of surrender. So I'm going to give just a few moments we go through a verse or something there. It says we enter back into just a little attitude of worship. As you feel led, I want you to come and grab one of those jars and just fill in across the front here. If you're ready to say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Send me. just want to say you don't have to be a member of the church to participate if you're a member of his church then you're welcome to participate but it takes a lot it takes a lot to say here am I send me you're going to have some oily spots on your person. But I always start with this when I feel led to do it. Just put a little on my head. And I begin to pray, Lord, renew my mind. I want you to pray. I'm going to pray as kind of an example of what I do, but I don't want it to just be you listening to me. I want you to ask him. I want you to pray, Lord, renew my mind. Lord, that's one of the things you say you do is you renew our minds. Lord, change the way I think. 
Let me think kingdom-wise. Let me think the way that you would have me to think. Let my mind be in alignment with your mind. Let my will be in alignment with your will. Lord, renew my mind. Lord, rewire where it needs to be rewired. Correct my wrong thinking. Let my mind and my will be completely surrendered to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The next, I typically anoint my eyelids. I pray, Lord, open my spiritual eyes. Lord, I ask you to open our spiritual eyes. Lord, let us see things as you see them. Let me see the world through your lens. Let me see souls as you see them. Lord, help me to see how truly white under harvest the fields are. Let me see the harvest field for what it truly is. Let me not so no longer go around seeing everything from my own perspective and from the way that I think and the way that I see things and the things that I want to see accomplished. But Lord, let me see it through kingdom eyes in the name of Jesus. And I typically go to my lips, I'm sorry, my ears next. I pray, Lord, to my ears to what the Spirit is saying. Oh, Jesus, take these ears and tune them. Let them tune into what the Spirit is saying. Lord, you said that your sheep know your voice. Lord, let me hear your voice clearly. Lord, to completely know what you're saying. Lord, so that when you speak, there's no question of whose voice that I'm hearing. Let me know that voice. Let it be louder than every other voice in the world that's trying to garner for my attention. And Lord, when you speak, let me hear clearly and respond. Then I move down a little bit and I touch my heart. That may be a little more difficult for you to get there, but then I pray, Lord, melt my heart for kingdom things. Lord Jesus, melt my heart. Lord, let my heart beat for your will and your purpose in your kingdom. Let my heart allegiance be to you above all things and not let other things of the world crowd those things out. Yes, there are people that I love. Yes, there are things that I desire to accomplish, but let your will be preeminent over everything else. Let my heart beat for your will and your kingdom and your purpose. In the name of Jesus. Lord, let my heart melt when I when I see somebody, Lord, that so desperately needs you. Let me not turn a callous heart, Lord, to those that are lost. Lord, let my heart break at the right times for you. Then I anoint my lips and my tongue. And I pray this, 
Lord, put your words in my mouth. Lord, I pray that you would put your words in my mouth. Lord, you spoke that over Jeremiah. It says that you reached out and you touched his tongue. And you touched his mouth. And you said, "I see, I have put my words in your mouth. Lord, it was said about Samuel that as he spoke, that his words did not fall to the ground. In other words, they rung true. Lord, you even touched the lips of Isaiah with the coals. Lord, touch my lips and touch my tongue. Lord, put your words in my mouth. Because so many times as a human... Lord, I'm afraid of what I'm going to say in moments and I doubt because I know that I'm not good enough. But help me to bank on and understand that your spirit will put the words in my mouth that I need in those moments. And Lord, you will lead and guide. Lord, this mouth and this tongue is yours. In Jesus' name. Then I anoint my hands. pray, Lord, let this be your hands extended. Lord, use these hands to heal. And sometimes that can be a hand out or a hand up for somebody. Sometimes it's literally having the guts to lay your hands on someone and pray and tell a disease to be gone in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we pray. Use these hands. Lord, use all of our hands. Lord, it's not just for somebody that has a title of reverend in front of their name. Lord, you said that these signs shall follow those that believe. Lord, use our hands to stretch forth. Lord, use our hands to lay on the sick and then recover. Use our hands to be hands of love. Lord, that we pat somebody on the back, when we hug their neck, when we reach out and we give them a hand up, Lord God, they will realize that that, that these hands are representative of your hands and something will happen in their lives. But Lord, I believe that the day is coming and is here, Lord Jesus, where we will. Lord, you said that we will do things that you have done. That we'll do even greater things. And so, Lord, I pray that you begin to use us and use our hands, Lord. We run across one of those situations, like I mentioned today, Lord, that we would not back down. But Lord, we would say, Lord, right then and there, if it means that everybody's staring, Lord, I'm still going to lay hands on and pray when the moment calls for it. Now, this one you may have to do on your own time. It's the last one, is anointing our feet. So I'm not asking everybody to take off your shoes. Maybe it's something you do at home. Some of you have sandals on because it's summertime, so it's easy for you. But that we would pray. Lord, lead my steps. Lead my steps. Direct my path. Father, we come before you. We ask you, Lord, to direct our feet down your path. Lord, there is a path that you have for each and every one of us that is a holy and a right path. And I pray that you would lead us. 
Lord, let us walk in step with your will and your purpose in your direction, that you would lead us and guide us, that we, our steps would be ordered of God, and we would walk that path. Lord, because there are things that we can go. Lord, we're supposed to be your hands and your feet extended. We're supposed to be the body of Christ. Lord, let us rise up and be those things and do those things. Lord, that we will walk, that we'll be in the right place at the right time, and we will hear that voice, and we will respond, and you'll begin to use us, Lord, because there is no reason, Lord, as we get about your business, Lord, that we can't see new lives come in, that we can't see more and more things happen. We can't see, that we would see empty seats filled. Lead us down your path. Then I want you to end this whole prayer with these words. Lord, here am I. Send me. In Jesus' name. Amen.